Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Online at InThisLeague.com. Now, here's your hosts, Bogman and the Welsh. What is up, friendos, and welcome into the In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Pell Week Extended. (laughs) I was tapped out on Friday. We're going to do the fifth episode. I was tapped out. I had nothing left in me, so I couldn't do it. But that what that means, friends, is that we are now extending Hell Week to three episodes this week. So you got four last week. You're going to get three this week because today is the overall episode where Bogman and I are going to be talking about all the stuff and things for the overall. We got the, and we're not going to do like the top three, 400. We're going to tell you about, we do have a top 300 at inthisleague.com. But we're going to give you our numerical top 60, which is going to equate to the first uh, four rounds of your draft. And then we're going to talk about some of the biggest differences you and I have. And then, of course, we're going to talk about like, oh, I don't know, Bogman, uh, how I'm the most right person on the planet and everything I do is smart with the Diamondbacks, at least, because Corbin Carroll <laughs> hit, a, hit a single in his first spring training game, then stole a base and... Lourdes Gurriel was hitting third. Spring training is here. We are, you and I are physically, wa- I'm look at, I'm pointing. I'm watching yeah. a baseball game as we're recording this right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, now that they finally got the cameras worked out uh, in Mesa, I guess. It's screwy all day. Yeah, I yeah. refresh because it's also opening day for MLB.com. They're having a few <laughs> here. So yeah. I- Jameson walk batters. I watch Corbin Carroll uh, steal a base and just, God, just, just like he just it's wanted baseball, man. Right. It's here. Jason Dominguez hit a bomb. Vlad Jr. Hit a bomb. Brett Beatty hit a bomb. Roddy Telez. Well, let's like, talk about some of those. Things. It's Don't so just, like, much fun. So we cannot talk about them, Boggs. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I like listing things. Uh, but but you were absolutely right about, uh, you know, Lourdes Gurriel. You talked about this on Bench with Bubba in the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, podcast with him that you and I were uh, graciously guests on. And we were, had, we I love Bubba, dude. It's always so much fun talking to Bubba. Yeah. But w- it was a great time. And you mentioned, you know, we were talking about who the three-hole hitter for Arizona is going to be. And I mentioned my, you know, trepidation with Jake McCarthy, my fear of him potentially being a one-trick pony if that bat doesn't hold up like it did at the end of last season and you kind of threw out this idea of Lourdes Gurriel hitting three well the D-backs are split squad today McCarthy's hitting three like people predicted roster resource in particular but in the game at home that the vets get to stay at all the young dudes go out uh, to Mesa all the all the uh, vets get to stay at home Gurriel hitting three for the D-backs I thought it was very insightful by you a great call and it's we see it in motion right now 
It's pretty exciting. And by the way, Dre Jameson just threw the nastiest slider to whoever this guy was and made him eat his lunch. It was beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is phenomenal. I mean, Corbin Carroll was right in motion. McCarthy got a hit. And uh, seeing that lineup, because Cattell in that game is hitting two. So he's staying in his spot hitting two. That they're real. It, this might be the versus righties. McCarthy is the 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 guy hitting three. And versus lefties, Lourdes Gurriel is that. So there might be a three-hole platoon that's going on which makes Lourdes Gurriel just a bit more interesting. What's amazing about all of this is we're getting like real anecdotal stuff. Like I've been out at camps and I've seen them work out at stuff, but we are now seeing in-game action, which is so beautiful. Um, we're going to get into the overall and everything, but like first up, maybe the biggest thing, we had the surprise and Peoria games were the only games that went off on Friday. And we had the very first instance of the clock violation. And but I think it was dual. I think it was the first person Manny Machado ended up being really slow to get into the batter's box. And he's the first person to get the 0-1 uh, strike count. So if you um, are too slow and you halt the pitcher from being able to get through the clock, then the ump is going to uh, tag on an extra strike. And that happened to Manny Machado. And then Robbie Ray was the first pitcher to get dinged with the clock uh, shot clock violation. <laughs> yeah, what it is. And dude. They yeah, said that was on the catcher, uh, like uh, the the Robbie Ray one, like the catcher wasn't set. So they basically, it, you know, it doesn't really matter who it's called. Yeah, them, I, they I get say, a ball. I don't care. But, but but yeah, but but it's just weird. Like, you don't even think about that. You think about the pitcher, like, you know, l looking in, taking a long time, blah, 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 all that stuff. And uh, that's not it at all. But it it is an adjustment. And we saw something that we didn't like from the pitch clock because Gabby Moreno hit a bomb. And we wanted to see the replay to see how far it went. But after he rounded the bases, um, the next batter was up and in the box and they were going. So, yeah, uh, well, it moves fast. Uh, but if you go to games, replay, man. if on. you go to games, it's the best thing on the planet. It's two and a half hours. Both of the first two games were clocked at like two hours, 33 minutes with the new thing. But, yeah, you're right. Um, we're getting all over the place here. But like real quick on the the Machado uh, race stuff, finishing that because I want to talk about Gabby Moreno. What was so interesting is the amount of people bitching and complaining uh, about the show. Oh, here we go. It's good. They'll adjust. AFL, they adjust. They did it two straight years. In the first year, the players complained, and then it stopped, and the complaining stops. Like, it's it's okay. Like, this is a good thing for baseball, except probably what no one's thinking about is what you just said. Like, the replay thing didn't happen. So, Gabriel Moreno. Turns on a pitch in this A game and this A's game on JP Sears. And when I tell you he murdered the ball, all you ground ball truthers of Gabby Moreno that he can't get the ball in the air, this dude smashed it to left. And it went, we saw the like all the kids on the green on the berm. They were looking behind. I think it hit the sidewalk behind and then it easily could have bounced out of the stadium. Gabriel Moreno murdered the ball and Boggs, and I was like, Boggs, I want you to see this. We never got the replay because they yeah. were going through. I didn't even think about that. They're going to have to, that's going to have to probably, they're going to slow it a little bit down for like tel nationally televised games and stuff. Cause you can't just never have these replays or these guys are going to have to be quicker. It'll definitely be an in-season adjustment. Uh, that is for sure. We will, we will have to uh, see what they do because you have to have those replays. That's what people are, are there for when the big moments happen. You don't want to just have a big moment and then go, all right, next guy up. Like they have to take, they have to take yeah. a second. Maybe there'll be like a home run 
clock where it's 30 seconds now so they can replay and talk about it or whatever. But it, it'll definitely be something that they work on and something it's definitely not even close to perfected right now. So, um, but yeah, man, we got games. We got games every it's day so good. now until through to the all-star break. There will be games every single day. So it's much so good. Uh, some of the, so the first day perform the one that really stood out was Vinny Pasquantino who went two for two. He also walked, absolutely crushed a bomb, which I think just made everybody feel really good to see. Um, something interesting that happened in that game as well they ha- I'm trying to look at like who they didn't have in the lineup and this might be what it is, but I saw Michael Massey was hitting two for the Royals and he was in the two hole. Uh, he's hitting second, uh, playing second base and hitting in the two hole. Now I know Nikki Lopez would probably be in that spot, but like there's a lot of talk of Massey maybe being able to go there. Man, if he were to be playing in a prime position and hitting two, Michael Massey would be super interesting. Um, all those teams, they put out the majority of their big lineups we in the Rangers, we saw Simeon go to Seager to Lowe hitting three and Adolis hitting four, which was really phenomenal. And Vinny Pasquantino is kind of the winner of that day. We're recording on Saturday as the entire spring training goes up. But like you said, from the prospect side, uh, if you want to throw Gabriel Moreno in there, absolutely crushed the ball and looks so good at the plate and really, really looks good. I saw him in camp the other day. Jason Dominguez murdered a ball and it is I mean, he threw that going. bad head out so fast it was Which, crazy you know he and that was really an outside t- pitch too and he just he just chucked the bad head at it and it went out it was crazy. he got tested in the afl if you think about it like he gets to take that into spring training he looked really good keston hersted who uh Kirstead, who i'm higher on than most after watching him in the afl two bombs hit two bombs in his uh spring training debut because there's a lot of prospects that are going here and then uh i was at brewers camp on friday Rowdy Telez looked real, real good as uh, things were getting going. And he hit, and he hit a bomb in this batting practice video I shared. And then he hit a bomb today, which he crushed to center field. Rowdy looked Rowdy, by the way, Rowdy's a big boy. I tried to get a picture with Rowdy because <laughs> I say this lovingly. He made me look good in a picture. Like, I don't no, look good in a lot of yeah. pictures. I don't look good in a lot of pictures. All the boys to the yard, huh? Yeah, I don't look good in all the pictures or anything like that. Uh, I'm I'm a really bad selfie taker. It's it's very hard to get a good one. But he would. I don't been think you've looked, looked bad good. physically. You've had the fakest smile in some of your pictures. But other than that, you look uh, pretty good. It's a I bad think. smile. You see, I got me and Brandon Woodruff right there. Yeah, he is the nicest human. He is single handedly the nicest person. You gonna I have move ever him met. up in your rankings? Then come on, let's go in the nice rank in the nice people rank. A hundred percent. He's going to go up in the nice rank. Oh, as Oh, well. that's mean. You, you just went up in the mean guy rank. Just so why? you know, because you said I'll move him up in the nice guy rank. That's why. Well, I'm not going to move up in the real line. That oh, oh, just because he's nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about it. And then, uh, yeah, so spring training has been phenomenal. I, the one thing we do have to acknowledge we are all 100% going to get into some serious overreaction time. Like that's oh, what we're absolutely. getting. We're about to all overreact to some serious stuff. You know, me included Boggs. I'm ready to lose my mind about some stuff, split squad lineup changes, celebrations, early Homer stuff. I mean, it is all in favor of the hitters right now. Uh, no real crazy shot clock stuff, but um, this next week is going to be really telling of what's going to end up happening with these players, man. Yeah, I think Rodolfo Castro, I, this is an old one. I'm seeing a replay, but yeah, uh, more bombs happening all the time. One other cool thing that I'm going to share on, I'll be talking about on Prospect 1 this week if you want to talk, uh, if you want to hear about it. 
Boggs, I was over because I don't. Did we talk about it on an episode at all? Um, that I was at the Tops house. Yeah. Tops. Did we talk about the the Drew yeah, Johnson? Did Hell uh, Hell Week? I cannot remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that that interview with Drew Jones uh, that I have is going to air on uh, Tuesday on Prospect One. Uh, probably talking about. I think the majority is going to be early spring training prospect stuff, and then I'll have the Drew Jones interview over on Prospect One, which should be lots and lots of fun. You can obviously check uh, me out over on uh, Rates and Barrels this week. Fantasy Pros we've got going on. And if you want, over the weekend, I was on the Baseball America Fantasy Summit, which you can get replays on. If you want to hang with us and others to do some fun drafts, check out our sponsor of the episode today, Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code ITL, and when you sign up, you will get a 100% match up to $100 on your first deposit. So that's free money, friends. Use a promo code ITL to do that. Uh, in the month, this is actually like the last day in February. We are going to uh, we're going to roll them bones, Boggs. We're going to get the wheel, spin it. And we're going to give someone a prospect one hat away who used our promo code. So if you do and you do it in the next couple of days, make sure if it's in February to send us a screenshot that you use the promo code and we will enter you in. And then we'll come into March where we'll have another fun thing going yeah. on. But we are going to set up. It's, I'm a a whirlwind of chaos right now with everything going on and we've lacked on the streams and stuff like that but we i do want to get a live uh, best ball going so you guys can play with us if you sign up using underdog fantasy play for as little as three bucks or more get your best balls in it is fantasy drafting season and it is money making season underdog fantasy download the app use a promo code itl boy these early broadcasts are not in rare season form bogs i don't know if you're getting the same thing <laughs> Oh, the, pretty, it's pretty been wild. bad. Yeah, well, like the uh, the first D-backs game started because obviously that's what I was worried about, uh, and the camera wasn't working at all. But it started on time, so I didn't get to see Corbin Carroll's hit or a stolen base because the camera was so wacky. And then the other game w- is only radio. It started four minutes late. It was started. It's supposed to be one ten first pitches, like one fourteen. First, you pitch, also so. see that I think MLB.com their box scores they changed how their box scores look. Uh, Did they? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to I'm trying to click on it right now. I saw it was like back to back to back tweets. Scott White started it and someone else that they were no one was having the new box score layout Mm. um, of these games, which I'm looking at, which does look a little odd. So uh, I don't know. I think it was on the the phone app. So spring training. There's a lot to bitch about. Yeah, it's it's the first day for everybody. All right. So let's let's relax. It'll all get fixed, you know. And uh, and we'll get going. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to watch Jordan Lawler uh, take this at bat on the A's, which is like the best thing ever. Um, but in the meantime, if you guys want right before we get to this episode, check us out over in this This week is the first of the month, which means I think we're going to plan for Boggs on Friday to have the March update for the redraft. Yeah. Ranks, Welsh ranks. And then pretty much we will be updating every Friday through the rest of the month because um, it's draft season. This is draft month. So we're going to be rocking all of that. You can come and sign up, get access to that at in this Plus you can get access to the prospect ranks, the dynasty ranks and a ton more be in the group me rooms, hang with Bogman and I and hang all season long. I hope you don't just consider coming for the draft season. You can, but hang with us all season long because that's how we do all the stuff. You can get in on mock drafts and more like the P one eighty P's. Sign up today. Go to InThisLeague.com. Five bucks, ten bucks. Pretty easy stuff. We'd love to have you. And thank you guys for all the support. Because it's just Bogman and I. So when you do it, you're like supporting us. And it's the coolest thing on the planet. 
Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the top overall. There's some strategy to it. We're going to talk numerically, talk about our big difference in a top overall list. And of course, we're going to get the Bogman Soapbox. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wait, wait let, me, let me explain something to you. I am not in this league. You're in this league. I'm the dude. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> it's probably the most popular ranks article or outlook that you can get on the planet. It's the overall list for whatever reason, even though it is probably the least applicable list. Now, in a prospect ranking list, that's different, but you would say it in football, baseball, whatever it is. Overalls have their place. Movies. But they start to wane. They start to fade away because you have to start thinking about like the roster construction. And that's what's ultimately so weird, except it is the biggest listen to episodes. It's the biggest read articles. When you talk about overall lists, even more than when people put like tears or something like that, it's really wild thing to it. So, you know, we've said it a gajillion times. We could probably just copy and paste things we've said in the past, but you know, overall lists, I find overall lists a little bit more useful than Bogman does in general. I probably go a little bit deeper into looking at them for redraft. But at the end of the day, 60, 70, you're, you're getting into a place where you need to start deviating off of just value and you have to start thinking about roster construction. Maybe unless you're in like one of those, you're in like a 10 team Yahoo ESPN with only three outfielders and no corner and stuff like that. I don't know. You could probably just go best overall and you'd still be solid across the board, but you got to start deviating to your positional stuff, but it, it's a craw in, in Bogman's sack. What would be the term? What? Jesus. Craw in your... uh, yeah, it, it's a craw in the Welsh's brain right now. Uh, this sack. cliche or saying or whatever it is. It's what not is that great. saying? What is that cliche? It, craw uh, on your back? I'm not sure what you're talking about. So uh, crawl on your side, uh, you know, a thorn in your side. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. This is uh, this is the book of, of Welsh Dude, cliches here. You know what? Um, Google doesn't even know what I'm talking H- about. Yeah, hitch in your giddy up. I'm not sure. I tried Look. to put like saying a craw in, and the Google was just like, "Are you talking to tr- trying to talk about crows?" <laughs> <laughs> you mean crows? Yeah, I can yeah, see Google doing that. That's uh, what it did. I um. Look, we talked about it in the last episode. I appreciate an overall list right when you want to put out your like first set of rankings, right? Like uh, you want to do the top 50. I, I understand that. Like, oh, who made the top 50? Who made the top 100? Even up to like the one top 150 or 200, it's great to see initially what 
what I mean when I say when I, that I don't like overall ranks is when you're in your draft, you're not really drafting off the overall after like the second or third round. You're trying to fill positions. Maybe you already have a strength at starting pitcher, so they don't need to be in there. So that that is more of what I'm talking about. I do like looking at overall list right at the beginning of the rank season, which for us is early November, right? Uh, yeah. Early to late November, somewhere in that neighborhood. But once we move past that and we start breaking it down by position, that's more important fantasy-wise to me. So I love the discussion that overall list brings up on certain players, you know, and it happens every single year. Why isn't Judge one everywhere because, you know, of his injury history? Uh, you know, why isn't Julio uh, in everyone's top five? Well, because sophomores have slumps. Like, I love the discussion that overall list bring up, which is why this is the most popular episode, and I understand that. Uh, it's also the biggest pain in my ass to, to put this together uh, of all the episodes. But, you know, once you're in there, you're not exactly going off a list. So I like the discussion it invokes for all the players and everything. But, you know, having a whole show on overall to me can get a little eye rolling, which is why yeah. we won't go over 300. We'll do our top 60 and then well, talk about our differences after that. I also think what the overall serve uh, the overall serves like um, it's like a like a menu, if you will. So like it's something to do before you get into all the stuff like, you know, you're not going to hang on to your menu and keep looking at like the ingredients and what's in your meal throughout the whole thing. You get your menu, you take a look, you're like, okay, this is what we have. And then you get into the stuff because like, I think it shows you value preparation where you can see like, okay, when everything is stacked with each other, this reliever is in this category of hitter or starting pitcher. These relie yes. these relievers are valued more than these starting pitchers. So it's a good analysis tool to look at if you want to kind of look at the bearing of and all sometimes these dudes. menus are liars, right? Like we see the menu on some sites say that relief pitchers are cheap. You get into a different uh, website and the relief pitchers are very very expensive. So well, it, also it just they depends. don't equate. So, so that's a great point that you bring up. Uh, NFBC prime example NFBC tells you that catchers are exceptionally more valuable because there's two catchers it also shows you the absolute race to saves and stolen bases but then you get into a consumer draft or for being honest you look at fantasy pros ECR when you get all the rankers in there that's not the case like I see things that show up on like the ECR or the consensus ADP that is just not what happens in my drafts. I, I just don't know other way to say it. Like I kind of poke with Joe about it when we're doing stuff. We're doing mocks. Like there are things that it shows in there that don't happen in mine. That doesn't mean it's also not something in consumer drafts. And I hit this at home all the time. And, and you hear me say consumer drafts, and you're probably like, what? Like NFBC is like high dollar, high risk, gambly type. It's the best form of gambling into fantasy. If you have 11 other buddies and you guys are doing a home league, you got a collection of like, you know, one idiot who barely knows when the draft is one guy that doesn't show up. There's three guys that are just like, what sport is this again? Then there's like four guys that are like, oh, I love great at Razzball. And then there's like a couple guys that listen to everybody, you know, and they know every single person and they know all the stuff and they're signed up on sites and stuff. So when you do that, you've got a huge Not a very mix pointed. of different. Yeah, it was a very specific uh, joke. Uh, <laughs> There's like, it's a huge culmination of stuff that comes out that doesn't make Emmanuel Class A go 28 overall. 
So there's not a good answer. I'm just kind of talking in circles about the sure. process. There's no really good answer to this. But what this does is this just gives you like the perspective of like, this is what Bogman and I think these players are worth. So if I take a player at a different position over a player that I have higher on the overall, that doesn't really mean anything later on. This is just the overall arching value of these guys. And really what might be useful down the line is taking the 300 and figuring out a way to make tiers out of the 300. Like these are tiers of players and these are tiers of players that might be a little bit more useful to see where you're playing more useful just to have positional ranks. But that's why I love positional positional ranks. ranks. That's that's why I love positional ranks and I don't like overall. That's the whole thing. You know, so we've got three different uh, pieces here. We got our actual top 60. We've got our big top 60 differences uh, between each other. And then we've got our outside of the top 60 big differences, which that'll give kind of a bigger conversation here. So let's start with the top 60 and let's do something we we usually don't do. Let's actually go one to 15. We're going to go in blocks of 15 here. We're going to give you four rounds and we'll start at the very, very top. That'll be easy stuff here. And I'll just give, give mine, uh, my overall top 15 in a roto, my first round, Ronald Acuna is number one. He has an ECR of one overall. I've got Trey Turner at two, whose ECR is three, one, two punch. I don't blame. And I gotta be honest with you, Jose Ramirez, I have at three. He has an ECR of four, I was doing a mock draft on fantasy pros. I almost considered with the second overall pick taking Jose Ramirez, except Ronald Acuna had fallen. So that wasn't an opportunity for me. I have Aaron Judge at four, Julio at five, Kyle Tucker at six, Mookie Betts at seven, Juan Soto at eight. The weekly version of Shohei Otani is nine. Daily version, he is the number one overall player. The last uh, six here is Vlad. Jordan Alvarez, Bobby Witt at 12, Mike Trout at 13, Freddie Freeman at 14, and Austin Riley at 15. Uh, for me, I've got Trey Turner at one, and then Ronald Acuna at two, Julio at three, Aaron Judge at four, Jose Ramirez at five. I think that's kind of the consensus top five. Uh, I can't really get away from that. Yeah, I have some order. I have weekly uh, Shohei at six, but like the Welsh said, if this is daily, Shohei is number one with a bullet. Uh, Kyle Tucker, Juan Soto, Bobby Witt, Mookie Betts, Vlad Jr., Jordan Alvarez, Freddie Freeman, Mike Trout, and Manny Machado. So give me the, or, you know, tell people, because I know what they are, because I can see the list, but let's hear the four players that you are higher than ECR on uh, in your top 15. Uh, My four are Trey Turner, Julio, Shohei, and Bobby Whit. Who do you feel the most, like, confident about uh, maybe not Trey Turner because you got him at number one but sure. between those others like you know you're way higher than ECR on these guys is there one that you feel really good about or even one of those that you're like oh I didn't really realize and I should really shouldn't be um no I don't you know because the the biggest one here is Bobby Witt which I have him at nine his ECR is 18 and his very high rank is seven. So I'm not very high rank, but I'm closer to that than I am to his ECR. And I understand, you know, the sophomore slump and the bad lineup and all that stuff. This is a 2030 guy. I mean, uh, he was incredible last season. Um, I, is there room for him to fall? Absolutely. Um, but I feel like, like we discussed with John Legaza when we had him on, there's room for this guy to grow too. He could get better. So, you know, him getting better is asking a lot, but what, what about, you know, a young player having uh, ups and downs this season, like he did last season and ending up somewhat close to the same. If he ends yeah. up somewhat close to the same of what he was last year, 
he's probably still a top 10 player. So uh, I have him in my top 10. Um, third base is also very weak. He plays at third base. So, you know, what I just I don't really understand 18 for him. I just don't get it is he was very minimal things we look at, but he was leading off on uh, how much did he lead off last year? Do we uh, I mean, take we can a find look at it. I'm curious about that. Yeah, we can look on fan graphs. I'm curious because he was leading off. They had Massey at two, which if it's Massey or uh, Nicky Lopez, I could definitely see Nicky Lopez in there. You know, him out there stealing bases and, and getting on base. He just doesn't hit any homers. Let's see. Okay, I've, I've already got it. He, yeah, he only let off four games last year. He had 75 games. He was hitting two and he hit third 50 games. So the lineup yesterday was Wit one, Massey two, Salvi three, and Pasquantino four. I kind of think they might be looking at Bobby Witt leading off, which here's my only point to it. That actually might hurt the RBI totals. That ain't going to hurt the stolen base totals. But he wasn't going to have a lot of RBI playing for the Royals anyway. So I don't hate that. Like, let's let's get him. I would rather have the 45 steals than the 25 homers. You can make up power in other spots. You may be able to make up more stolen bases this season because of the new rules and the bigger bases and all that stuff uh, better than you would the last season. Uh, But it's still, you know, we're still going to go by uh, analytics and a lot of teams just aren't choosing to steal, uh, even if it is easier. This, but year, you also uh, might you, still going to be low. one of the the way like the the contact approach, low OBP is something people worry about. I think a little bit with Bobby Witt. Sure. Um, last year, I got to go over and get off of seasonal stats. I would or get off of splits. Um, last year, Bobby Witt hit. I think it was two. Yeah, two fifty four with only a two ninety four OBP. We let off and he walked in that first game. Again, very minimal stuff. It's the first one, but. If you might, you might get a little bit of a different approach. If he is leading off, he might be looking and taking a few more balls and he might be walking a tiny bit more. I think that's a huge positive. I want to see him walk a little bit more. If all of a sudden he's a 270 guy with a 330, 340 OBP, which he had a 352 OBP in AAA, those would be good signs. He'll still probably step into the 20 homers. Maybe the homers taper back a little bit, but maybe the stolen bases go up. Maybe the OBP goes up with Bobby Witt. I'm with you on the Bobby Witt stuff. I also have him, the greens I have here, I have a few more than you. Uh, I've got Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez. I'm higher than the norms, the normies. Mookie Betts, I'm quite a bit higher. I've at seven. His ECR is 10. Shohei is pretty standard for you and I for what we've talked about. Um, I've also got Bobby Witt. Mine is a little bit behind. You have him at nine. I have him at 12. Mike Trout and Austin Riley. So I have seven guys in my top 15 that are actually in the green that I'm higher than ECR on. And like Austin Riley, I've talked about, I just think it is just hardcore four categories. I will tell you though, the Manny Machado and him thing is, I I just don't think he's going to steal as much. I kind of want to put Manny Machado back over him. The one I like the most out of this is Mookie Betts. Like Mookie Betts is the one that I really want to get shares of. There was a draft I think it was the tout draft and I ended up getting the 10 spot and I was just like crossing my fingers. I was like, let Mookie fall to me. And he went at eight and I was like, dang it. And that's one of those things I'm talking about where he has an ECR of 10 on this list with a high of five. I don't know, man. I think seven, eight should be his absolutely low minimum. And if you're playing on Yahoo, you're going to get second base eligibility. If he has second base eligibility, where do you, you have Mookie at 10? Where would you move? Would Mookie move at all if he oh, had second base? He absolutely. Okay, if he so had where, second where base, then? seven. Uh, I put him ahead of Tucker. 
Okay, so that's your number seven then, and that's my number seven. So that would be your number seven in so Yahoo. He is seventh overall to you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's where my green is. Um, the Mookie that's just so big. Yeah, and I don't, you know, we're not sure if he's going to get that uh, playing for the Dodgers this year. It's kind of a 50-50 maybe. I would, I would, I would bet against it. Right I mean, they now, said they you? want him to play there. No, I wouldn't. I w- well, okay. you mean say you mean twenty games to play twenty games? Yeah, I bet against it. Um, I don't know. And man. even if he does get it, if he doesn't qualify at the start of the season, he's not getting it until late in the season, most likely, unless there's an injury. He could move there permanently. It's just you have a right? rookie. But, you have a rookie playing there, Miguel Vargas, that they might want to ease in a little bit, not play there a bunch. I'm obviously they can play Lux and Taylor, but for Dave Roberts to say they want Mookie to be there, I don't know, man. Like he's not going to get the 20 until really late. So you're right. Like that's not going to help a lot of people. But if you have a deck of 10 game start league or 15 games played or something like that. I don't know. I think there's a possibility he could be a replacement at second base at some points. Um, if they're keeping like trade, they like Trace Thompson defensively. If they wanted like Trace to go out there and Miguel Vargas is like a liability and they want Mookie to come into second. I think that's something that you could see him defensively kind of change positions and stuff like that and get that qualification. But either way, it doesn't matter to me. Like I just think Mookie is just such a lockdown. It's another one of those like leadoff hitters that I'll bank on regardless of the RBI totals. And I'm higher on the lower ons. Let's hear your lower than ECR in the top 15. And we're talking tiny spots. Acuna, These are minimal. Super yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is what happens at the top. Uh, Acuna, I'm low on. Judge, Jose Ramirez, just because it's, you know, Acuna, I have a two. He's at one. Judge, I have a four. He's at two. Jose Ramirez is a four. I got him at five. Same thing with Tucker and Soto. Vlad Jr., Jordan Alvarez, and Freddie Freeman, I guess I'm low on. So give me the one that you don't like being low on. Um, I don't like being low on judge, honestly. Uh, you know, I have him at four. Uh, I, I think that's probably fair. Is he going to hit 60 homers again? I don't think so. Uh, is he going to get hit 50? Maybe. If he hits 50, he's probably worth the number one player. I, I think it's just a tall task to ask a guy to, you know, put back-to-back seasons like that together in the non-steroid era. So, uh, it's a huge ask. He could be hitting his peak right now, and this is just what he's going to do. Um, but the three guys I ha- have ahead of him are all combo guys. They're going to hit me homers and steal bases, driving a bunch of runs, score a bunch of runs. So that's why I have him at four. Um, yeah, sure, he stole a bunch of bases last year. I don't know if that's going to be in the cards as much as it is. Like, But his floor is so high. Like His floor is like a you know 40 homer, 7 or 8 swipe guy. Right. So uh, I love that. I just hate I kind of hate not being uh, high on him and and being lower on him. But you got to, you know, the only one there's only one spot at the top. So only one guy can have it. Mine is um, I should probably list mine off. So I have judge as one of my lowers. I have it four, which I kind of agree with you. That's I hate having him down there. Points leagues. He's going to be number one. Uh, Juan Soto. I've got it. Eight. He's seven ECR. Vlad and Jordan Alvarez, I have at 10, 11, they're nine and eight. And Freddie Freeman, I have at 14. And that one bothers me. His ECR is 11. And Freddie is someone that I really, really want to get. The problem is you put him ahead of Jordan Alvarez now with the wrist stuff. Yeah. Well, we have, this is older, but you know, I was uh, going to bring that up by Friday. Well, but I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to move Alvarez. I took Alvarez in tout right when the wrist thing came up over Freddie Freeman. I still did that. 
just because even Alvarez wasn't like overtly concerned about it. They just wanted yeah. it to rest because there's a little discomfort. It's early in spring training. This is what this is what happens. But the thing is, is the guy has like a long standing injury that we all sit here and think about. And we're like, oh, God, if this does, but it's never wrist. It's always like knees and leg stuff. Like this is something big completely, dude. Yeah. yeah, this is something completely new. I'm not letting it worry me but when i look at freeman being back there i hate it because freeman might be one of the safest bets you could possibly have stole career high 13 bases last year when he had like a practically career low in homers really had 21 homers and i think he had like one or two through the first couple months they hit 325 a super low walk uh strikeout rate walk rate was up there that's five tools a first baseman that steals 13 bases is equivalent to an outfielder that steals 20, I think like 25, maybe. Even sure. Like so, okay. So I, I, that's I'm behind that. That's like an elite stolen base number from a first baseman. Then the homers suffered, I believe. And so the projections that that's going to bounce back. So seeing Freddie Freeman there, I don't like because I really do want him. And I would love if I paired him with Bobby Witt, it feels good. If I could get Freeman and Riley, that's solid. But to know that the ECR rank is at 11, I wonder what the ADP would look like, though. I bet if we pulled up ADP versus what rankers are, I wouldn't be surprised if Freeman is like 13. This is because, you know, I've talked about this a bunch. There is a disconnect and there's a handful of players. I really should identify them. There are a handful of players that their rank never matches where they're drafted. And absolutely. And, and there's just like a whole bunch of them that happens to be with closers same thing rankers put them super low but then they draft them higher when the tiers go and freddie freeman feels like a guy that it is 11 it is 11 I'm yeah still i took out i took out espn uh like, like you should so uh fan tracks is nine right. nfbc is 13 cbs is 17 that's more points though yahoo is 11 and rts is also 11 I say I feel like it was 13 or 14. Maybe that's in the places that I'm paying a little bit more attention to. But the one that bothers me is definitely Freddie Freeman, because I would definitely want to push up. And and if Alvarez is still suffering at all from this injury and not getting into games like in a week or so, if I were to do a draft in that period of time, yeah, I think I could go with Freddie Freeman. I think I'd go with Freddie Freeman over him. The Trout one probably is difficult for some people at 13, but you know, Trout's Trout, man. It's still, it's big homers and you could look at injuries and stuff like that, but everyone's got their warts. Remember it was the spine stuff last year and then he came back and just mashed. Everyone was so worried about the spine stuff and he was like, nah, my back's fine and proved it. So yeah, don't worry about Trout. Uh, We each have three players that we are locking with ECR. Mine is Acuna, Julio, and Tucker. You've got uh, Machado, Mookie and Trout. So those are the guys that were kind of in line with draft value stuff and nothing wrong. I'm actually surprised Acuna has become the ECR number one. That that was not the case in um, early rank days. No, in yeah. the early rank days when you and I were Julio was seen at like number no, one. No, I, I was I was humming about my surprise. I, I don't think I'm that surprised. I think people know about Acuna. He he's sh- yeah. he's shown it. Well, off. no, no, I'm just saying like in the ranks of like November and December and stuff like that, Acuna was three or four. It was uh, Jose Ramirez is a very popular, very early on because of the, you know, the position at third base and stuff, but that just wasn't necessarily the case. Um, let's go to 16 through 30 bugs. Uh, let's get yours. All right. 16. I got Garrett Cole. Then I got uh, Corbin Burns, Bo Bichette, Rafael Devers, uh, Pete Alonzo, Goldie at 21, Sandy Alca- uh, Alcantara at 22, Fernando Tat- Tatis Jr. At 23, Austin Riley, Spencer Strider, Edwin Diaz, 
Michael Harris, Nolan Arenado, Marcus Simeon, and Brandon Woodruff. Oh, my good friend, Brandon Woodruff. I've got Manny Manny Machado at 16, Rafael Devers at 17. So one thing I did more recently when I was working on ranks was I bumped up uh, the positional stuff. Like knowing third base is an issue. I made sure to bump them up over like shortstop and starting pitchers. I had Corbin Carroll and and, uh, I'm sorry, Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole higher, but knowing the reach for third base, I wanted to prioritize. So I have like Riley Machado endeavors, even though I have Riley at 15, by the way, it's just a clump of them. I do tend to prefer him over them, even though Machado does get the stolen bases. So each his own, I suppose I've got Bichette at 18 Burns at 19 Cole at 20 Fernando Tatis jr. At 21 Pete Alonso is 22. Jacob deGrom is 23. That is one. I still have not actually adjusted, which I will bring him down a little bit. Uh, Sandy Ocantra, Francisco Lindor, Shane McClanahan, Paul Goldschmidt, Spencer Strider at 28, Justin Verlander at 29, and Michael Harris at 30. How annoying is it that you have Strider ahead of me? That's stupid. When did that happen? I had him ahead of you in pitcher ranks, too, so it can't be that surprising. It's still so. annoying, I guess. Then, yeah. That I understand. kind of annoying here. Um, okay, so to what I just said, do you think on the overall, how I put all the big third basemen over those pitchers. You don't have that. You do have Machado, but you've got Devers behind Colin Burns and as well as Riley. Is that something push comes to shove? Are you taking those guys over? Let's say Devers. I mean, this is, you know, where we get into why I hate overall it depends on what I did in the first round. You know, if I but, took Machado, it, it, it obviously shouldn't. not. Oh, uh, well, okay. Yeah. But let, let's say you don't like if your only scenario is if I didn't take Machado, then I would. That's different. I would think you would have them higher. Let's just say you took uh, Bobby Wood. I mean, I think or, it's pretty easy, though. I would take Cole, Burns, and Bichette all over Devers and Riley, for sure. Well, th- that's what I was saying. I was just making yeah. sure that that was like, no matter what situation you're in, you are going to take those pitchers over those third basemen. There's no scenario where you're not. Yeah, exactly. And, and I put the I purposefully put the pitchers down at 16 and 17 because I don't want them in the first round. You know, those are the those two guys... Uh, that I have up top there, Cole and Burns, to me, are the tippy-top tier, uh, you know, one and two, however it goes. So I, what I want is a monster hitter and a pitcher. So if I'm sitting there at the turn and I get Machado and Cole, I am loving life. That That's exactly what I want if I'm sitting there. Um, but if I'm, you know, let's say I took uh, Mookie Bat to 10 and I come back and I have the decision between Cole, Burns, and Devers, I'm taking the pitcher. So, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it does depend on what I do in the first round, but I did move these guys up positionally. Uh, I did, but I just think that, you know, the pitchers are probably safer and they give my team better punch, uh, on both sides. So I would take those pitchers ahead for sure. You and I in this tier are diametrically like opposites because and Colin he- Burns, by the way, just real quick. Uh, sorry, uh, but Colin Burns are like almost never there for me either. Like they usually go in the first round, at least in the mocks that we've done. Right. Uh, it's usually two starting pitchers, at least in the first round. So they're not even there for me. So that leaves me the choice between those first baseman and third baseman a lot of times. So so you and I differ right. in this tier because you have nine players that you are higher than ECR on and only four players that you are lower. I have eight players that I'm lower on and only five players that I'm higher on. So when you take a look at this, what stands out to you as far as your high or low? Like, is there, is there a low that you hate or is there a high that you kind of question? Cause this is a, this is interesting. Cause you are, you know, you are jumping above a lot of people in this 16 to 30 overall area. 
Yeah, I think um, I think I kind of like where I'm at early here. Um, you know, I I understand that I'm behind on Austin Riley, so I probably won't be rostering him in many spots. I just feel that the guys I have ahead of him are a little safer. That's all. Um, so, and I do really like Riley. That's probably the one that upsets me the most when I'm looking at this comparatively and seeing the red next to his name. I don't like that because third base is so bad. And I do like to concentrate on it in the second round. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the greens I'm fine on. I mean, I'm a bigger Goldie fan than a lot of people. I think Sandy Alcantara has a higher floor than a lot of people give him credit to. I love my power speed combo guys like Michael Harris. I'm ahead on Nolan Arenado and Marcus Simeon. Uh, so I, I, I feel okay about all those. I don't, I don't dislike that I'm ahead or indifferent, I guess. I, the bottom ones kind of bug me. Like I'm like the Alonzo and Tatis doesn't really mean a whole bunch. It's one spot different. I've already explained the pitchers, but when I look and I see Goldie at 22 and I have him at 27 or even Michael Harris at 28 and 30, those are ones that they don't feel super comfortable to me, but it comes at the expense of pitching because I have a strider higher. Uh, I am higher on DeGrom in general. I've waited, by the way, one thing I can tell you guys, like I'm, and I think I, I think I said this on fantasy pros. Cause anytime we ever talk about bus, Joe takes the opportunity to put Jacob DeGrom in there. <laughs> I'm waiting for this week. This coming week is very important to me to see what happens with Jacob DeGrom. He threw this like super, super light session on Thursday where it was like 13 pitches full, full on on the mound to um, the catcher. And it went well, and it was all fastballs and he had done a light throw before and that he was going to do a more ramped up this week. And then maybe the following week he gets into game action. That's all okay for me. I don't think that's any out of the norm, hit the panic button stuff. Like you just don't like that. He's feeling any discomfort, but I just still don't think it's anything that we're going to like cry about. And everyone's crying about it. I will make a big adjustment if, he's supposed to have a session this week and they push it again and they push <laughs> it and he doesn't have like, he doesn't ramp up or he steps back because that is a lot more telling to me than anything else. So when, I just have when is the dramatic, him. like sure you'll drop him a little bit. When does a dramatic drop for DeGrom happen? Like if he doesn't pitch in the next two weeks or the, yeah. like if he doesn't do anything in the next two weeks, or is it just, if he doesn't, you know, throw in spring training and he's still on these side sessions, like, like I said, when, it's, when does the hammer drop on him? It, he's now on the schedule. If the schedule starts to to alter again, that's going to okay. bother me. A guy who's just showing up to camp and was going to throw a day and had some discomfort and they push back. I don't, they're yeah, just who keeping cares? him healthy, but yeah. he did throw a 13 session fastball one. The next one will probably have breaking pitches. If there's a setback in there, then it's like, okay, we really are ramping up. And I know I'm being more Pollyanna than anything else for that. That's fine. I would acknowledge I wouldn't I, take Grom or have so. him right now, but I'm just not touching him in the right. I think that's a logical that. approach, though, like because we talked about it with Cardi. We can hate on DeGrom all we want, but this is a guy that can absolutely change your season. Look what it did to the Welsh's yeah. season in tout last year when he came back halfway through and made his team from a loser to a winner. It, yeah. That is literally what I was he the did. scariest team to play for the final right. uh, eight to ten weeks. So, so you know you can't lower him too much because he has that in him. And, and if he plays the whole year, he's going to be a gigantic difference to your team. And you could be getting him as a deal right now. It's just, uh, you know, I took him last year in a couple spots and he burned me. So, you know, it's what he happens. burns you. Yeah. He burns you. You don't forget. I totally understand that. Um, 
let me get back to the sheet here. As far as this goes, I mean, that explains a lot of it. The logic is pretty sound. At the end here, I want to, when we get through these four, I want to get our, and before we do the differences, I'm going to get our best four picks out of these ranges. So know that we're going to do that. So keep that in your mind. Let's go 31 to 45 on the overall. This is where if I have the first overall pick, I'm going to give very big, heavy, hard consideration to double tapping closers in the second and third round. I'm probably taking one at least because I have Edwin Diaz and Emmanuel Classe at 31-32. Dylan Cease at 33, followed by, which that is actually also moving, by the way. Scherzer, uh, Arenado, Ch Jazz, Jose Altuve, Corey Seager at 39, which I'm quite a bit higher on. 38, I'm sorry. Marcus Simeon, Ozzy Albies, Josh Hader, Randy Rosarena, Aaron Nola, Brandon Woodruff, and Luis Robert is 45. That's my third uh, For round. me... I've got uh, Lindora at 31, then McClanahan, Jacob DeGrom, Jose Altuve, Randy Arozarena, Aaron Nola, Justin Verlander at 37 in a row, Cedric Mullins, Adolis Garcia at 39, Emmanuel Classe at 40, Matt Olson at 41, Dylan Cease, Corey Seager, Max Scherzer, and JT Real Muto. So when you look at this in your third round context, the thing I struggle, this is another one of those where I poke at you a little bit because mm -hmm. you love your closers, but... I mean, where was, did, I guess we had Edwin Diaz at 26. Okay. So you yeah. did have him there. And then you well, have class A just as a different tier of a closer than you. And, and really uh, what it is, is I know if I want Diaz, I'm going to have to take him in that second round in a 15 man or a uh, third round, very beginning of the third round in the 12 man. So if I want to do it, I have to have him there and he's the top closer to me. So I have to have him there. I really despise where you have to take the relief pitchers. Sure. I, I hate it. I despise I it. I don't like it at all. I want all my drafts to be on fan tracks so that uh, closing, you know, the closers are cheaper just overall. You know, it's funny you say that whenever I do the, uh, the mock drafts on the draft wizard over on fantasy pros, the problem is, is ECR people, how they rank the closers. They don't want to rank them high. So they go a lot lower which right. might be more representative than to boob and Ruben boob leagues, which is fine and good because it just feels better. It feels better it when feels you get so one of those better. solid closers in like the fifth or the fourth or something like that. And a 15 team Roto with your third pick taking a closer stinks. It's not fun. And I, I completely agree with you on that one. I love it when the first closer and, and this, this goes to the position too, right? And this is why I find positional ranks uh, more valuable than overall, but you, to me, you have to do the positional ranks first to know wh who is which position is thin, so that then in your overall you can start moving those positions up in value. And relief pitcher is thin. Like we know who the top ten closers are going to be. After that, it's muddy for so many teams because it's early spring training. You know, we haven't had a lot of managers talk about who well, is in the role and all that stuff. And we're getting more and more of that stuff now. I was so, just about to say, did you hear the Yankees? They had said like Clay Holmes is a candidate to be to move around. They, they kind of they didn't say the fire hose, but it's the guy that they'll move, I think, into eighth if there's a leverage. big lineup yeah. coming up. Yeah, they'll, they'll it's a leverage closer. And that's okay. You can deal with that to some degree. That might pull five to 10 saves off of his projections, right? But he's still going to lead the Yankees in saves. So it, it sucks. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that stuff, you know, but, but it's good for rankings because now, you know, maybe move Clay Holmes down a couple ticks, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and that's why the closers are expensive is because we haven't heard that stuff. They should move down in price 
when that back end starts to get more solidified and we know who those guys guys are and we don't we're not throwing darts when we know who the Dodgers closer is if it's Hudson Hudson or whoever else then great now that's a, a closer we can move way up in our rankings because the Dodgers are probably going to win 100 games right but right yeah. now we don't know so it's all dart throws at the end between Evan Phillips and Hudson and whoever else so um yeah I hate the cost on the closers right now so yeah I understand you push them back on where I have them I, get I have a couple of my favorites in this range and it does make it tough, but I both put, I push them up. So there's the opportunity I can go with three, four like this is jazz Chisholm at 36. I just, I love jazz. I've got, he's my number one second baseman. I, I've locked into that. Obviously Altuve has the floor. I have him lower because his ECR is 30. Marcus Simeon is 35. I have him at 39. Ozzy. I do have higher because I clumped all those second basemans together. Those second basemen are third rounders. That's the big thing I'm telling you. I think their value is in the third round. So what you can do, which I think is sneaky, if you want to talk about um, you know, draft prep and just trying to mess around with this stuff, is that if you get to the third round and three of the four are still on the board, I don't hate the opportunity of waiting into the second round and you take the best of the next guy that comes in there. Because I do think they're all close. I've got them within like, five spots of each other. I just prioritize jazz and based on the ECR, you're going to be staring at Ozzy or jazz in the second round. So I'm not saying I would take jazz in there, but I really like him because I also really like Corey Seager. And we've talked about it a million times. You know, the shift ban is going to help him. The, the BABIP is going to help him. The return back on that with the batting average, big power numbers. I think the Rangers are going to be sneaky offensively this year. And I think he's going to put up big four category numbers this year. So I want both of those guys, but it's, I have them like a full, almost a full round higher right now, which makes it a little difficult, but those are two of my favorite players in here. Yeah. I'm lower on a lot of guys here that I actually like. I, you know, I feel like I like the Grom apparently not. I got him at 33 as ECR is 27. Um, I feel like I like Lindor, but I hate the position and that's probably, um, why I'm lower on him. I got him at 31. His ECR is 25 Altuve. I almost like seeing this. I think I want to move Altuve up to 30, just have him right below where I have Marcus Simeon. So he is a bottom of the second round uh, pick for me because I want him. I, I would like to roster him. So I probably will end up moving him up and just be even on ECR with him. Cause I hate seeing that I'm below and I also never get him. I don't think I've taken him in any of our, uh, drafts either. So I want to get a couple of I mean, you going to start priority. Yeah. You're going to start prioritizing drafts. Well, that's, him then? that's what it would. Yeah. Well, that's what it would be doing by moving him up to the bottom of the second round. So I still, you know, would prefer a third baseman, one of those top third basemen over him. But if I'm in that position where I, more, normally I'd be picking high, I'd have to be in the top, you know, probably three or four picks to end up getting him at that spot. But you're saying like um, you're in the top of the third and Lindor yeah. and Altuve are on the board. You're going to take Lindor I want over. Altuve. I, but then I, why well, are you taking Simeon though? Because you have Simeon as your number one second baseman. Yeah, well, I have Simeon at 29. That's what I just said, dude, as I'm going to move Altuve right underneath Simeon. That's oh, what okay. I just said. So, okay. so that, that's the whole point of that is like I need to prioritize moving that second baseman up. So just looking at this has made me move things around in my head already. Um, Nolan Verlander and DeGrom, I guess I'm okay with, I wish I was a little higher in DeGrom. I don't really, I don't think I'm ever going to draft Matt Olson or I'm only one spot below him. And then, uh, Scherzer, 
Uh, the same thing, I guess the older pitchers, I'm just a little lower on overall. But I have, you know, I like taking Adolis. He's a big one we'll talk about in our differences. Uh, I have him at 39. I'm not the highest in the world, and I double-checked this uh, to make sure it wasn't me because uh, 38 is his highest, and I have him at 39. So I'm very close, but I'm not the highest on him. Uh, but I'm in that range. So, and you guys know I love the power speed guys. I love taking an outfielder here because outfield is thin, especially when you have five. So I'm m- much more likely to take a Dolus than a lot of the guys here. So the two that I hate that I'm low on, and it makes me want to rethink. But the problem with this whole like I want to rethink these guys is is it's I it has to be applicable for me to change my drafting habits. Aaron Nola, I am way too low on, but I pushed all the pitchers down for the most part. He'll come up a little bit, but he's still probably out of that range if he's going at 26 that he's ranked. And the Randy Rosarena one bothers me because I think I want Randy Rosarena. I've seen you draft him too. Yeah, all day over a guy like Adolis Garza. I don't even want to put myself in the situation to draft. And you know what? Also, I I have Randy Rosarena over um, Luis Robert. I see situations where Robert goes ahead of him. Like I love the idea of not taking Robert because you can get Randy or Rosarena. So I don't like being low on him. That one, that is definitely one that bothers me here. I understand that. I'm, I'm uh, only two spots higher on him and I have him, um, you know, I, I would prefer to take him over Adolis, but it seems like I miss him a lot. And then I'm uh, end up with Adolis. And that is, you know, a lot of that is just where you're picking. I've been picking late in a lot of drafts, so I just don't get him. Let's look at the uh, the last little bit here of the actual numbers we're going to give you. Uh, at 46, I've got Matt Olson, Cedric Wilson at 47, O'Neal Cruz Cedric at 48. Uh, Cedric <laughs> Mullins, Cedric Wilson, former 49ers wide receiver. Uh, Cedric Mullins, O'Neal Cruz at 48, which is astronomically higher. Teoscar Hernandez, another one. JT Ramuda's at 50, Zach Wheeler, Zach Gallen, Corbin Carroll at 53, Devin Williams, Carlos Radon, 56 is Christian Javier, Kevin Gaussman, Jordan Romano, Eloy Jimenez, and Kyle Schwarber at 60. Uh, for me, I've got Zach Wheeler at 46. Moving on down, Carlos Radon, Luis Robert, uh, Josh Hader, Shane Bieber, Julio Urias, Jazz, Ozzy, Presley, Varsho, Corbin Barrels, uh, Tay Oscar, O'Neill Cruz, Kevin Gaussman, and Devin Williams. So this is this is also this round, this fourth round in a 15 team. To me, this is very telling of why and how things start to open up because my ranks start to open up. They're really starting to differ from ECR and you can see it. O'Neill Cruz, I've got two rounds higher. Uh, Tasker Hernandez, I've got about a round higher than most. Corbin Carroll, I've got two rounds higher. Christian Javier, about a round higher as well. This is where things open up and you're talking about prioritizing like values. O'Neill Cruz, you don't want to buy the lip service of a player or even just a manager necessarily. Oh, I want to be 30, 30. That's fine. But that is the skill set that he has. And I want to make a bank on that. Teoscar Hernandez. Yes, he doesn't walk, but it is hard hit through the freaking roof. We talked about him a whole bunch with, you know, the, the home run totals actually being higher. If he played all his games in Seattle versus Toronto, I love him. And Corbin Carroll, you know, Corbin Carroll's only one for three in this game. It's uh, that we're watching. That you're ahead of me, by the way, overall on Corbin Carroll. I hate it. Of course. Yeah. The, I mean, I, I, it's so hard to draft him. It is so difficult to draft him because he keeps moving up. But his ECR is 78, and I've got him at 53. If you can get him in that fifth round, I know it's a high cost, but there's a really good floor with Corbin Carroll. 
And he kind of showed it off today. Even though the power wasn't there, he stole a base right off the top, scored a run, and he's leading off for the Diamondbacks. It was against the A's in the spring training. But that's the type of stuff that you want to see. This exactly. I remember somebody posted the other day after Eno and I had this long discussion about Carroll was like, well, why didn't he steal a bunch of bases in his major league debut? And as it's a fine question, it's also just like, it's just so silly. Like, I mean, he came up in September with a new team. He didn't have a green light. He didn't have that cachet. What was he supposed to do? Come up and steal all the bases in the world? Like, no, like he hit okay when he was up here. This is it's the fastest guy in baseball. He's going to run. He's spending a whole season with the team and the, and the manager. And then look at this first, first at bat in spring training wheels. We're going, we're running. And you love to see that. So as scary as it is to take those rookies and stuff, Corbin Carroll just has such a good floor that you got to be comfortable drafting him. The problem is, is there are quite a few players I really like, and I'm a lot higher on. So this is where I could start to alter based on what I've done. If I took Corey Seager, I'm not taking O'Neill Cruz here. I'm moving on. Right. If I took Ronald Acuna and another outfielder, I'm probably not going to be staring at Teoscar and Corbin Carroll. So this is where the path starts to deviate, Boggs. It absolutely starts to deviate, like, like you said. And, um, you know, just looking at this, I'm moving my second baseman up just in the overall as well because I have Jazz down here who apparently I'd be low on. Same thing with Ozzy. Those guys got to come up for me, at least ahead of, like, Wheeler and Radon and probably JT Romuto, who I have as the, the last pick in the first round as well, just to make sure I get those guys. Cause like as much as I do respect Romuto and know that he's probably going to be the number one catcher again, but like I'm not taking a catcher that high. I, so I have to move him down. Uh, you know, good to talk about this and look at it by the way, just looking at the Corbin Carroll stuff, you know how many games he let off last year? Just take a shot at that. Oh, I, I think it was only a couple, like three or four. Three. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. He, he hit I, I remember looking the, at that. He hit uh three times at one, four times at second, and after that it was fifth and down. And most of his at bats were from the sixth spot in the lineup. So uh not a guy you're asking to steal every single time. So uh, you know, just you know, just weird anomalies, like you said. Let's let's look at the stat cast on that. We're both high on him, but also we understand you don't need to take him here. You don't, you don't need to because most of the time you might need to by the end of spring training based on what he's doing already yep. in this first game. But if you're drafting right now, he, like you said, his ECR is what? 78? I'm not 78. Yeah. Yeah. So 78. So you don't have to take him until the sixth round. If you take him in the fifth, you're just a little ahead. You don't have to take him in the fourth where we have him ranked unless you're in the draft with us. You probably can take him in the fourth, but if you're in your regular league, your regular 15-man roto, you can get him in the fifth. He can be your fifth-round pick, and that can be your risk. If you want to take solid floor guys rounds one, two, three, four, and then reach on Carroll in the fifth, that can be your first, uh, you know, reach. O'Neill Cruz, same deal. You know, if you've taken safe guys one, two, three, four, you somewhere in fantasy baseball, you got to go out on a limb for someone. And and you know, rookies are it for a lot of people, and sometimes they'll burn you. We understand that, and that's why Cardi is so low on his projections and we have the term sophomore slump and all that stuff, but you have to go out on a limb somewhere. If it's not to Grom, you know, if it's not uh, reaching early on someone else, if it's not in relief pitching, whatever it is, you have to make a leap somewhere. So that can be your first leap. And that's why we have these guys ranked so high. Yeah. In this area too, it, the strategy comes into play with just so many great players what works for me and I think makes me feel comfortable when I get into drafts 
is where I have so many players higher here. I legit have an opportunity to get two or three of these in rounds four, five, and six in the guys that I have as fourth round talent where, um, you know, I mean, what did I have? Seven players, six players in round three that I'm higher on. But I think positionally, they're players that are just not going to fall there. There is some depth here. So let's take a look at these four rounds then. And let's start in round one. Give me the Bogman guy. We're going to pick the top four guys. And then we're going to look at our biggest differences. So round one, you get, give yourself a spot and um, and then pick your player. So what, what spot do you want? Your ideal Bogman spot. And then we're going to do your ideal Bogman players. Uh, okay, my ideal spot would probably be three and i would take julio okay so you've got julio i'm gonna go with i've talked about a lot of different draft spots here let's go with a wheel i'm gonna go at four i'm gonna go 14 i'm gonna do freddie freeman i'm gonna say freddie freeman at 14 which then i get to come back around and i'm gonna go with austin riley so freeman and riley on the wheel here so you have so you have a much higher pick at three at Julio. So you're gonna have a background second guy. So who's your second rounder? Uh my second rounder, I'll go with Strider. Okay, so you've started Julio and Strider. I've got Freeman and Riley. Coming back into the third round here, you've got an early third rounder. Who's your guy? Randy Rosarena. Ooh, okay. Randy Rosarena. Since I have a back end. Let's see my guy. I'm going to go with jazz because he's at 46. So ECR, I'm going to go with 46 and then I'm going to tail the next round and let's go with. Ooh, who do I want to go with Bogman? uh, Let's go with Corey Seager. Let's do that. So yeah, that's how we're going to start with it. We've got, and actually got a whole infield. We got first, second, third and, and uh, short and the whole thing. So I've got Freeman, Riley, jazz and Corey Seager in the first four drafting from a 14 spot. My last spot would be hater uh, unless it's Carol. Uh, I think I want to get Carol in the next round though. Uh, but my, my, my last one would be hater here. So I would start out with Julio Strider, um, Randy Rosarena and Josh hater. Okay. So that's a look at the top 60 of what our overall looks like. We have a top 300 on the website. You can peruse and uh, even if if it's your thing, I think it's all good. You know, I'm not as hateful of a person as Bogman. Bogman judges you if uh, he has a robot that looks at the time spent on the overall list at InThisLeague.com, and then he takes better the not people, do it. He has the people that have the most list. time spent, and he judges you. And you he better check those positional you. ranks, guys. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I'm your friend. I think you're a good person, and I'm I'm here for Before you. Before we move you, on from the top sixty, you want to talk about the differences that we have? Well, no, that's what bit? we're gonna do. We're gonna go okay. to the we're gonna go to the differences uh, on the whole thing here. That was just the actual numerical thing. So let's take a break, and now let's take a look at the top sixty differences, and let's take a look at the differences outside the top sixty. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's not what you did, son, that angers me, son. It's who you did it to. Who? Nobody? But nobody. ITL. Two other pieces of news before we get into this, even though this is late. I just want to mention, Bogman, I don't know if you saw this, that first action on Saturday, C.J. Abrams, two for three and a stolen base. Leading off, too. Big deal. Just want to throw out that uh, (laughs) C.J. Abrams. Live uh, updates a couple days later. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just things we didn't talk about at the top. I just happened to be looking at. Also, Seiya Suzuki was scratched from the game with oblique tightness. Oh, I don't like that. Yep, he's been a very popular guy that we've been taking a look at. And I don't know if he'll show up on this list, but let's take a look. These are uh, two different. These are differentials. So these are the top 60 differences that Bogman and I have. And then we're going to look at our outside the 60, some of the bigger differences we have so we can give you a bigger look, which again, you could find it in this league.com, the top 300. We have positionals. Uh, I don't know if you do tiers. I do tiers. I don't remember if you do or not, but we've got all those and they'll be updated. This coming Friday will be the next update and an update every Friday moving forward. My initial right. one, I don't do tiers, but I, I will do tiers for this update. Okay, cool. So you'll have tiered updates uh, positionally, and you'll have the overall list plus all the prospecting dynasty stuff, which will come a couple days after that in this league.com. Come and sign up today. Okay, here are the big differences. Bogman, uh, why don't you list off? Because these top two, I think, I'm actually confused at what this bottom list is, but the first one is the you versus me differences. Mm-hmm. And the bottom one is uh, I have them in the top 60 or you have them in the top 60 and the other guy doesn't. That's all. Oh, okay. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So these two, these are the biggest differences that you have higher than me. Uh, and what are the three? Uh, Marcus Simeon, Brandon Woodruff and Cedric Mullins are the three guys that I have significantly higher than you. Uh, ECR says you're closer on Simeon. I'm closer on Woodruff and your, and we're actually kind of in between on uh, Mullins, but you're probably a, a little bit closer. So um, I just want to know why you hate uh, Cedric Mullins so much is my question, but no, yeah. really I'm just high on him. Uh, I'm actually, it, it's weird to me. And just looking at my overall list, it's just so obvious. I need to move my second baseman up because I have Simeon high, but I don't have the rest of the guys high. So yeah. I do need to move, uh, the rest of my second baseman up. So that's kind of the big thing that I took away from our big differences differences is differences. I know that uh, I, I like nice people and Brandon Woodruff is a great pitcher too. So I like him. I don't know why you hate nice people that are uh, nice to you and take awesome pictures with you, but whatever reason you do, you do. I'm not sure what it is, but what is, why has the hate gone to too far on, Woodruff here. What do you hate? It really about? is. It's just, I mean, it's face? like a ginger. It's a draft thing. No, I like <laughs> it's just because he's a ginger, 100%. Because <laughs> he doesn't uh, Now, Simeon and Woodruff, I both uh, met this uh, spring training. I, maybe Mullins, the reason he's not higher is because I haven't, but uh, <laughs> I, I like, I think all these guys are fine. Yeah. Woodruff just had some underlining. The strikeout numbers are like always still there, but he just had some underlining stuff early on last year that I just didn't vibe with. He's just not a part of the 
like the big build of where I'm taking starting pitchers. And like, I don't think he's in the elite class. So like I have the elite class up and then I'm pushing. I actually need to push some of these other guys down because I'm not drafting them. Like I'm just really not drafting Scherzer. I'm really not going to draft C. So I don't know why I still have him high. Um, Simeon, I just don't have as the number one second baseman. So that's just the like, difference. Want, we talked about in that in second baseman. You're highest on Jazz. Yeah, I want Jazz uh, or the cheapest. Like I'll take Simeon, right. but I want the cheapest. Mullins is just also another one of those. I think he's he's a good, relatively five tool player, but he falls in a spot, and this happens a lot. He falls in a spot of where I don't draft. A guy well, like he was him. so bad at the end of last year too. Like he was getting platoon. So I don't, I don't. Um, I think that's a little overblown of what was happening at the end of last year. I think, um, you know, I think he's going to get on the right track and be a good player again. And, and, you know, the lineup is decent. Obviously the ballpark sucks, but um, yeah, I, I think it was a little overblown, but you're closer to ECR than I am. So I'm just a little higher on him, but you guys know, I definitely love power speed combo guys. And he's one of them. Yeah, and I do I do too. I just need a deal on a Cedric yeah. Mullins to pull the trigger. I think um ECR forty four, it's not bad. It's just like who are the let me take a look here. Let me look at fantasy pros ADP. Uh, let me prove the point. I didn't have the ADP up. Um of the players that oh that went to You're looking at Mullins. Mullins is forty eight. Um no yeah. no no, I know that. I want to look at the players that are around Mullins. Jazz, show. Robert Albies are all just ahead of him. And this is ADP, not ECR, by the way. Uh, that's what you wanted, right? ADP? Yeah, and I t- I put in ADP. So where... Um, Did you take out ESPN? About? I didn't take out ESPN. That's you fine. need to. Uh, no, that's fine. But like even there, uh, Cedric Mullins is 47 with ESPN in there. So before you have... Yeah, you have Jazz in there. You actually have a group of guys I don't like, but behind... You do. You've got Corey Seager in there. You've got Josh Hader, who's a reliever I would take. Uh, Devin Williams, I'm reaching on. Teoscar Hernandez, Christian Javier. These are all players that are quite a bit lower that I just tend to prioritize more than Cedric Mullins. So I think that's it's a lot about it. It's not that I necessarily hate those players. Uh, I have some players that you hate. Austin Riley, I am quite a bit higher on than you. Jacob deGrom, probably much closer, so he doesn't really need to be in there. Max Scherzer, Jazz Chisholm, Ozzie Albies, O'Neill Cruz. Uh, let me ask you something. Why do you hate O'Neill Cruz that I'm 10 spots higher? Why do you <laughs> hate Austin Riley where I'm nine spots higher? And then also, why do you hate second base in general? Because I have Jazz and, on- and Ozzy Albies. You get Marcus Simeon, I get the rest. <laughs> well, it's funny because we've talked about the second base. I realize I need to move those guys up. But Austin Riley, I don't hate. Why are you in love with him? Why do you have a crush on him? Because his ECR is a 40 homer, 100, 100. I, I have him at 24. Yeah, I, so I'm closer to ECR. And you are on all these guys you mentioned, by the way. And by the way, I'm not even close to ECR on O'Neill Cruz. I'm just not an insane person mm-hmm. like you are, where his ECR is 75. I'm at 58, and you have him at 48. That's just crazy yeah, for no. Cruz. But but uh, yeah, I, I'm much closer on ECR than that. These are really the Welsh love guys outside of uh, Scherzer, I think. Um, yeah, Scherzer's and, not really. And like Scherzer said, and Albies aren't down. like. But Scherzer and Albies aren't like love guys. The right. Albies is more about the second base position. The love guys definitely are Riley. I do love DeGrom, uh, O'Neill Cruz, Jazz. Those are 100%. But the only problem is, it's like, I can't take Jazz and O'Neill Cruz. Like, if I want to live, like, crazy, if I want to <laughs> not wear a seatbelt and do 120, like, okay, I can. But that's tough. That's pretty tough to take both of those guys. There's a lot of inherent risk if you were to take uh, Jazz and O'Neill Cruz together. You're punting batting average. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is not good. For sure. 
Uh, this other list here, this is the the you have guys that I don't have in the 60s and one guy that I have inside that you don't have. The three players, not a surprise here. Almost all three of these are my bust. Two of the three have been on bust lists of mine. Adolis Garcia, you have at 39. I have at 63. Shane Bieber, you have at 50. I have at 61. And Julio Urias, you have at 51. I have at 69. Urias's bad strikeout numbers. I don't actually hate Urias or anything. You talked about on this pitcher episode that you want to move him up because you probably have him a little too low. Yeah, so that one just, wasn't surprising, and Adolis is not surprising. Uh, and like you said, you have Bieber on your bust list as well. So. well and Adolis was uh, on the fantasy pro. I think we did it this week. It hasn't aired yet, but we're doing the riskiest players to take, and I think like Adolis kind of falls in that list, even though he's done it for two straight years. It's still like, I, I think we're being set up. I think we're being lulled into this comfort level of like, Oh, Adolis did it for two years. So now we're good. He had like an ADP that was in like 30. It was like 38 on fair. I guess it's 58 on fantasy pros, which I don't know. It's too high. It's easier. It's 56. It's too high. I think the comfort level, I would rather take Cedric Mullins, I think than him because that batting average, I think, can tank. And I believe his XBA was um, in was a bit lower as well. Like, I know he hit 250, but I think his XBA was in, like, the 228s or 230s. So, um, and it's funny I just here, don't like either one. Like, Shane Bieber, I'm actually lower than ECR on. Uh, I just, uh, only by one spot. I mean, uh, but I'm lower on him than ECR. And it's just, you you have him tanked here. Uh, Adolis Garcia, we've talked about a nauseam. We don't need to address him anymore. The only other one I want to talk about is your guy that you have high, and I it is not in my top 60 because he's just barely in your top 60 at 59 is Eloy, and I have Eloy at 73. His ECR is 68, so uh, you're higher and I'm lower. But, I mean, this is, not a, this is probably the least surprising person that I'm low on uh, because he just doesn't stay on the field. They have 84 games last season, 55 the year before. Uh, the COVID season was the only one where he finally really got a full season in and he missed five games there too. So um, yeah, Eloy is frustrating to me. Yeah, I get it. I, with the frustration, a lot of the White Sox, that entire team, it's Elise Robert, it's uh, Tim Anderson. None of them play games. My only hope with Eloy consistently stands that he's the DH. And if Colas is there, I think it gives him one more extra reason to not try to get him in that outfield spot. Because you've got Benintendi, he's locked. Robert, if he plays, he's locked. If Eloy can just lock into that DH spot and we can get going, he does perform. Like this isn't a, this isn't like a Carlos Correa. We were talking about someone else where it's like they just uh, consistently underperform. No, he does. He performs when he's out there. He's just not out there enough. 84 games, he had 16 homers. Plays a full season, you're going to be close to a 30 home run guy. So I'm making the bet that he's going to be full-time DH. He's not going to be in the outfield much, and that makes me feel better about him, and that's why I uh, I have him there. Okay, so here are players outside of the 60, because I know we're very isolated to the players that we were covering, and these are guys that um, Bogman or myself have quite a bit higher than the other one, way outside the top 60. And let's mark a few bogs. Why don't we don't have to go through every single one of these players because there's a couple. Why don't that you pick I, from my list and I'll pick from your list? How about yeah, let's that? okay. Let's do this. Um, Tyler O'Neill, uh, because like Taylor Ward shows up on here, but I've moved him up um, into this next update that people are going to get. But Tyler O'Neill, ECR of 97. You have him at 100. I have him at 143. Big hard hit stuff. 
but tanked last year. Projections do not care about how he tanked. I know they're all back in. He's 25-10 everywhere. I just can't get down with it. Plus, he is in a fighting role for center field. Like, they have all but handed the job to Lars Newpar. Lars yeah, is but that's not going to keep right him now. out of the lineup. Like, well, uh, if he's he'll, fighting he'll, with Dylan Carlson at center field, it might keep him out Juan of the lineup. Yepes is the DH. He'll just move to DH and they'll push Juan Yepes out. Like, I'm that doesn't worry me at all. I mean, I, I don't think O'Neill's going to win the job, by the way. Yeah, I think Carlson's on the way. Sure. Down. I'm just proving a point that he's right. Fine. I understand. Lars isn't fighting for a job right now. Tyler O'Neill is fighting for a job. And look, you know, this is a guy that can absolutely sink, but this is another, you know, it's another power speed combo guy that, that I like. You know, uh, last year was bad for him. He had 228. His XBA wasn't even that much better at 240. But, you know, he strikes out a lot, but he also hits a lot of barrels. Uh, he's very fast. Like, I think you can squint and see another really good season out of Tyler O'Neill. And I'm a little lower on ECR than him. Uh, to me, this is more about you don't, it's all the the little, it's death by a thousand cuts for Tyler O'Neill to you more than anything. Is that correct? Would you agree with me on that? Because I have him lower than ECR. I, I'm just, I'm lukewarm on him. I don't even like him that much. No, um, no. I mean, when you say like death by a thousand cuts, I feel like you're like, it's a ton of this, that, and it's not that. It's just like, I he had a piss poor year. And I I don't trust him. I think he's super streaky. He's a big muscle, but I just don't like him as much as the the numbers indicate. And that's just it's just one of those. So it's not uh, death by a thousand things. cuts. It's just you don't like him. No, that, death that's... by a thousand cuts would be like, uh, like yeah. he has a bad contact rate. Maybe he gets dinged up and he gets hurt. It's like no, that's not Tyler O'Neill. I just don't like. I just don't like him as much as anybody else does. And he's one of the few players that uh, stunk. He stunk last year, and he's getting a massive pass across but the board because projections I, are spitting out something awesome. I don't necessarily think it's all projections either. It's, you know, he slated to hit two for the Cardinals, it, you know, uh, right in front of Goldie and Arenado. That's a great spot to be in too. a good lineup for a team. That's going to win a lot of games and he can steal bases, which is a commodity. So I don't know. I, I don't, like I said, I don't even really feel like I'm in on Tyler O'Neill. I don't know that I've taken him in many drafts. Yeah, I, I think I might've taken him taken in him. one. Uh, but that's because he fell in that draft. So, um, yeah, uh, Tyler O'Neill is fine, but I'm definitely not going out on a limb for him. I'll say that. Okay, uh, th we'll throw a couple. I've highlighted some that I'm going to ask you. Give me one that you want to talk about. And his, his, is his name Lars Newpar? Uh, yeah, well, well we, we've talked about Lars Newpar uh, a little bit. I, I guess um, let's start with Rizzo. Why do you hate Rizzo? Do I hate Rizzo? You have him at 129. I have him at 154. That's funny. I thought I had him and a lot You got him at 129. I got or him. Oh, I have him. At, yeah. So I was about to say, I thought I, mean, I had him at 129. And I was like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, Why do you love Rizzo? I guess my question should be. I love the ballpark. I love that he hit 32 homers last year. I love that he stole a few bases. He had one of, I think it was a career, second to lowest Babip of his entire career at two, 216. 216. Is shift should not, help him. He might be the second best shift guy uh, outside of Seager, right? Uh, let's take a look here. We can pull that up and see what his uh, shift number was. Uh, that was one of the reasons. I just don't have it pulled up here. Um, real quick, but 216 Babbitt, not going to go. Uh, every batting projection system has him about 15 points higher overall, which is, you know, that's a fantastic boost back. They have the, the home run totals going down, though the average is going up. 
which I kind of think is silly because he hit 30 homers this year. It's a great lineup to be in overall, which we love. And then on the shift numbers, uh, you want to know something insane? He actually was better on shifts, Boggs, as a lefty. 357 Woba. Because he He mashes it through it. Yeah. And he had a 332 Woba on non shifts overall. But I think Rizzo statistically underperformed where he can overperform. Low strikeout rates. He still walks. Even hitting 224, he still had uh, a 70 70 season on runs and RBI, and he played 130 games. So it's diminishing athleticism, which I've said a whole bunch. I think it's coming a bit down, but when you look at the, this is where overalls get kind of stinky. Yes. Like, I'll yes. probably have a first baseman at this point. Mm-hmm. So he comes back down, but I think Anthony Rizzo is worth a whole lot more than what is actually coming up on the board. And to your point, I mean, his ECR is one thirty four, So it's I probably need to move him me. up. Yeah. yeah well, that's what me. I said to start is like, uh, I, I hate, um, apparently I hate Rizzo and I actually feel like I like him. Um, so I, I probably need to move him up as well, but th- this is like you said, this is where, um, it gets murky. And I think I looked at Rizzo versus a couple of the other guys, uh, in the top 150, And I just went, I don't know if I can put him in my top 150 because the batting average, and th- that's a bugaboo for me too, is I'm real bad about the batting average. So maybe I just wanted to push him down a little bit. Like I have him below, uh, Hanager and like Harper, Kyle Wright, who I'll move down. The, the less he does, the more I will end up moving him down as well. So uh, who else you want to talk about from my list? Yeah. Well? So next one is Scott Barlow, because I know this is like probably relatively a closer thing, but he he's in line with where I have him, which is actually kind of shocking here. Scott Barlow's stuff is great, but they brought in a Chapman. A Chapman looked fantastic when I saw him pitch a session on the backfield. I cannot imagine in many worlds with the opportunities that he had that he's coming to sign and not get the opportunity at a closers gig. And that allows Barlow to be a great one to punch where he could be in really important situations in the eighth. So at one in the one thirties where you've got him, you got about 40 spots higher than ECR. I, I can hear you say the clear answer is you just believe Scott Barlow is the closer, but I just don't think that's definitive. And that seems like a really high cost. We're 40 plus spot yeah. difference on Barlow. And which I, if I believe well, Chapman's going to be the down, lockdown closer, I probably shouldn't have Barlow in the top 200. And so by I the also way, don't know. You're the highest person in the world on a world of Chapman. You you're only highest in the world on like three guys and he's <laughs> one of them. So that is why you hate, Scott Barlow, yeah. but, but I look at his savant page, dude. It's as red as the devil's, you know what it is insanely red uh, for Scott Barlow. He is an outstanding pitcher, which like you said, could make him a leverage guy. Chapman also just goes through these spurts where he does nothing but throw BP fastballs down Very the true. middle. So uh, like, I don't have much belief in a Chapman at all right now. I think he's lost a lot of his confidence. Can he gain it back in Kansas city? Absolutely. And if he does, He's one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. We've seen that from him for years. But right now, there's something between the years that ain't right with. I mean, there's a lot between the years that ain't right with the world of Chapman. But uh, mentally on the mound, it seems like we have it as well. And, you know, it, this is more about relief pitchers, like you mentioned before. This is more about relief pitchers than me and, and the, the overall cost of them. I still believe that at the end of the season, Barlow has the most saves for the Royals. almost called them the Chiefs. Uh, for the Royals. and. Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that is that 35 or is that 25? I'm not sure. 
but I know that even if he's in leverage situations, he is still giving you a lot for your team because he's such a good pitcher. So his floor is very high, and I do believe he's still going to lead the Royals in saves. So but that's if it's, why. But I if it's twenty-five to thirty-five, like the difference, the difference 30, is huge. But but he still his innings are still great because yeah, he's such 30, a good pitcher. Thirty-five, I take him one thirty-three. Twenty-five, I I don't know if I take him one thirty-three, especially with very understandable. Here, but, but I mean, yeah, no I one that. knows that answer. So all right, throw another one at me. All right, uh, give me uh, give me Jose Miranda because uh, it's funny. You have him at one thirty-one. I have him at one ninety, and ECR is dead in the middle of us. At 162, and you know what, Welsh? I didn't even realize this. I will double check just to see, but it looks like you might be higher on Jose Miranda than anyone on planet Earth, Welsh. I mean, so let, let me see. I'll, I'll see if that is absolutely correct, but uh, tell no, me about him in the meantime. Nobody listening to me is surprised if that's the case because I have been team Jose Miranda. Uh, I keep incorrectly saying he's going to steal bases, but he's going to hit. Um, the projections aren't. That X is definitely not super favorable on him. 254 with 15 homers. He hit 15 homers in his rookie debut while hitting 268. A very reasonable Babbitt. Does not strike out. It was under 18%. Said this a million times. I love his approach. I love his two-strike approach, which I think is really, really key. Plays multiple positions. I think there is 20-plus pop in the bat this year. Uh, I really don't have big questions about that. Dude hit 30 what was it, 30, 30 even homers in 2021 across multiple levels. And if he's hitting in the middle of this order, he's going to be the guy. I think he's a massively underrated player. Like like uh, Luis Arise was fun because of the batting average, but I really think Miranda, and I would not be shocked, I think Miranda's a guy that could hit like 280 with this team, and he could have 20-something homers, 80-80, and then we're going to end up looking silly that we let him go that far. So he's one of those... I don't think I was super right about it last year with like Ty France, where I called Ty France a glue piece. Miranda's a glue piece. He also qualifies at third base. So if you can get him, he gives you extra flexibility at third. Get him in at first. I think he's 20 plus homers with a good batting average. So uh, Miranda's my guy. Yeah, he's your guy. You are number one. I didn't even realize that. Um, not by a crazy amount. Seven spots. Uh, Jeff Boggess has him at 38. Then Screw Towers has him at 44. Uh, Fitzy has him. At 44, I'm fifth from the bottom on him. But he, he's a good player. He is a high floor. He just doesn't steal bases, and his home run total, I think, is going to be fine. I don't think it's going to be very high. So he's fine. He just doesn't do he doesn't do anything that stands out, but his floor is very high. So I do like that. Year too. Yeah, All that very true. Just meat year. on the bone, as I love to say, Welsh. There's yeah. meat on the bone. Yeah, yeah you, buy, you got a couple. You got, grow. you got death by a thousand cuts, meat on the bone, and there's one yeah. other I'm forgetting. You have, there's some. I bog, do, I do the cliches, uh, but but I uh, at least I do the, the correct cliches, and I only use the same three. Well, every this, single yeah, I was time. about to I don't say, make up my own cliches. We about got something craws? for everybody. You have something about crawfish before? Hey, Stuck craw in your craw? In your butthole. Yeah, I don't know. Like, with Boggs, you're going to get the same sayings over and over, but they'll always be right. Uh, you're going to get wacko stuff that you're going to have to <laughs> like decipher for me. You're, yeah, Absolutely. you know, you don't know what you're going to say. I said right. something with Joe the other day, and he was like, did you get that from Welsh? What just happened? Here? <laughs> well, he did that. He did one. And I was like, Joe, I stopped him. I'm like, what was that? And he's like, I know. I'm like, that was a Welshism. And he's like, yep, I, it was. <laughs> he's like, I didn't know what I was saying. I was just trying to keep going. Let's do one more, and then we will list off at least the guys that we are higher, so we're giving people more. I want to ask you about uh, Thyroid Estrada, Thyroid, who you talk about a lot. You've got him at, inside the top 150. I've got him at 210. We kind of break the mold because uh, between him because he's 181. He's going to move and play some center field this year. 
probably can still play some infield, put up great numbers in a short period of time. But what's with the love? I mean, top 150 is two rounds higher than the normal ECR ranker. I didn't see. Are you? I guess someone has him at 103. So you're yeah, not even like Zinke the very top ha, has him at 103. Really? Yeah, Zinke has him at 103. Keith Lott has him at 114. That's the next highest. Then Ariel Cohen has him at 126. Then uh, Taylor Tarter, and then uh, Fitz, and then me. So I'm actually Taylor sixth Tarter. highest. And I and I love uh, thyroid. This is uh, a guy that I don't know if. I don't know if the home runs are going to be there again. If, if anything falls off, you know, 14 down to 10, something like that. But this guy is probably going to hit leadoff for the Giants. And the Giants lineup got better. I'm not going to sit here and try to fool you and, and say that it's good, but it definitely got better adding uh, Mitch Hanniger to the middle of this lineup um, and Michael Conforto uh, to the middle of this lineup. And this guy hitting leadoff, I, I you know, the possibility for him to steal more bases with the rules too. Um, as long as he keeps that spot at leadoff for the Giants, I think this is a good buy. And you don't have to buy him here where I have him ranked. You don't have to take him in the top 150 unless you're in a league with Fred Zinke, apparently, or Ariel Cohen. So, uh, or probably Justin Mason for that matter. But um, I don't know. I, I just like this guy. Like you said, his stat cast page is not good. But a lot of those speed guys that are slap hitters are just never going to have uh, outstanding looking stat cast page. So that is, yeah. I'm, I'm a little less worried about those guys in particular um, for the stat cast page looking, you know, nice and blue, like Iceman had his way with it or whatever. But um, uh, top of the leadoff you know, guy for an order that's gotten better um, and they're going to need runs to win in the West. So uh, I think they're going to have to manufacture a little bit too, and he can do it at the top of the lineup. So I'm pushing my chips in on thyroid. So, all right, like give it. me one more that I am way higher on you then, and then we're going to just list off those guys for everybody. Um, I mean, how can you still have Carlos Correa in your top 100? Can we just move him down? Don't I have him at 90? Can we move him down bit. to like 105 or something? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you pick him, but like he, he I'm not, I don't draft him. I know why you pick him because I'm at 90. He's not, I have him a little bit lower. In, well, we've talked about a lot of these other guys down here. We, we've talked about Cattell a bunch. Uh, we've talked about how you like Andres Munoz over Paul Seawald. So some of these guys, these just aren't surprising. We've talked about them this week. I guess you're higher on Barrios, but that's more me being jaded. How about, let's do this. Josh Naylor. Um, I, you're actually lower than ECR on Josh Naylor. I'm way lower on him. I think it's just can, you don't like Josh. Can Naylor. you sell me on him a little bit? I, I just, I don't like the fact that he's a potential platoon player for the Guardians. And I don't know, he's just middling in everything but power. So I'm not a big Josh Naylor guy. In fact, someone on Twitter the other day said uh, I gave them the thumbs down because they drafted Josh Naylor and they were trying to sell me on him because he's Canadian. I'm like, I don't care. He's Canadian. He's Canadian? That's yeah, he's got good sell. Canadian genes. Oh, you know? OK. He uh, loves poutine. That's great. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, if here. listen, if you're going to sell anyone on a trait that's not about baseball, it's probably me. You know, so I, I, I understand him uh, coming after me for that. I so. suppose. But I don't think Naylor's in a real platoony situation. Roster resource has him at first with um, Bell at DH. But if Bell is at first, then I think Naylor goes over to DH. There could be some righty lefty split things they attempt to do. The only problem is, is like one of the best options. Will Brennan is also a lefty. So that would go at this point to like Tyler Freeman. I just don't see them really doing that. I think Naylor 
is locked in for the year. And he had a great year, hit 20 homers and only 120 games this past year. A 16% strikeout rate hitting 256. Projection systems completely agree across the board, having him theoretically repeat. Batting average the same, homers about the same. Running uh, Run totals are way higher than anything else. They think he's going to score a lot more runs because I think the Guardians offense just looks to be a bit better. Uh, hard hit percentage was the highest of his career, which you would love to see. He had an, X, an XBA that was a one point higher than his actual average. I mean, you know, keep going. Xwoba was right in line. I mean, everything was he in also line had just with him. Crazy splits too. Like uh, lefty righty was insane. Two eighty three to one seventy three versus lefties, which that is the only reason. That's, he and that was I'm saying that that's a possibility that that could that, happen. That's the only reason though. And look, you play against more way more righties than you do lefties, so that's um most of days starter but i don't know that stuff worries me uh decent home road splits too he was much better away 288 224 like this one it's not death by a thousand cuts it's just i don't really like his approach uh i also didn't like his little attitude baby whatever thing that he did to garrett cole which and i'm not a garrett cole fan uh oh, but but I, old I thought that was weird. like yeah, old man we should, also, the game. we should respect the game don't celebrate you like you also, hate flips too Look, uh, we all like a chubby guy, but you know, when when you're uh, when you're working all year and you're still fat, that's kind of weird, you know. Uh, you, when you're physically you now, then what are you talking about? Uh, no, I I said I just said I like a chubby guy, but but it's well, you a, just a little said weird. Working all year and they're still fat. Rowdy is as big as ever. Yeah, I think Rowdy just physically his frame is bigger than Naylor's though. Naylor's got a big frame. Don't get me wrong, but I think Rowdy is just that's who he is, and you're not asking him to to do a lot. Same thing with Naylor. It's it's not that big a deal. But but it's these little things that I don't like about Naylor too. But mostly mostly for me for fantasy wise, it's the splits and the danger of the platoon. And he's hitting lower than five in the lineup. It's like it's uh, not death by a thousand cuts, but it's those things. It's the below the lineup, the weird splits, potential for splitting. Uh, I, I just I don't I really, I'm not in on like, Naylor. I tend to. You're not like, in on him either. You're below ECR, but I just ask you to sell. So no, to me, like that, that's why you're giving me. I tend uh, the, to the like higher contact first baseman, even if their power is an elite. And right I tend to not like crap low average first baseman, even with big power. Like it's, it's not opposite. often. What? Yeah, I'm the opposite. Yeah. So I, like, I'll take the power over the average because uh, the power to me is three stats. Average. I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I, yeah. I'm, but with high batting average, I also think you can get your you runs, get runs and you can get your RBI. And mm-hmm. I think you have a better potential to improve on power with good average than you do huge Homer totals, career long, bad average with bad strikeouts to improve on your batting average there. You know what I'm saying? Like he doesn't strike out a lot. Like the floor is pretty good for him. And that's a pretty good lineup that likes to run. Jose Ramirez, Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez. These are all guys that are hitting in front. And uh, that's that nice. Just but a lot of below him, it's Oscar, who Oscar could easily leapfrog him. And I would not be shocked at all. Zanino and Straw. That's yeah. bad at the end of the lineup. So yeah, I'm just not going to be in on Naylor. That's all. So some players here are the players that I have higher than Bogman by quite a bit. Uh, we had Correa, Harper, Mountcastle. So these are what this is, is these are probably more me guys than Bogman guys. Lazardo. Key Ryan Hayes, Anthony Rizzo, Miranda, Lars Nupar, Polanco, Cattell Marte, Andres Munoz, Riley Green, Brandon Drury, Casas, uh, Ramon Lariano is by a lot, like 50 spots. Uh, Jose Barrios, Josh Naylor, Mondesi, and John Birdie. Those are all players that I have quite a bit higher than Bogman on the top 300 bogs. Uh, for me, I've got Brian Reynolds, Nate Lowe. We talked about Tyler O'Neill. 
you're going to raise up Ward. I have Lance Lynn, Joe Ryan, Nico Horner, Renfro, Luis Garcia, Jose LeClerc, Gene Segura, Luis Arise, uh, and Asturi Ruiz, of course. I'm almost, I, I'm not highest in the world, which surprised me because I think I you're was pretty close. I think I was last week, but now we went from 25 rankers to like 45, I feel like, pretty quick on uh, ECR. So, Pretty soon it's all going to get muddy and we're probably not going to be higher or lower than on than in the anybody. World on anybody. Uh, but, but yeah, those are the guys that I more Bogman guys than Welsh guys. Yeah. And, and I will say like Leclerc, I'm open to moving a little bit higher. I've talked about like how the Rangers have treated him in camp really looks like he is the closer and Ward is coming up on mine, but there's, you know, a couple others that are yours for sure. And that is the list uh, that you guys can check out over at in this You guys can sign up you can get access to that. We'll keep updating it. It's pretty much, Pretty much every week, every Friday from here on out, they're going to get updates. Uh, come up in the group me rooms, hang with us. You can get in on mock drafts. We'll probably have listener league information in the next week or so, as well as uh, we're still talking through entry leagues. We might be doing a one. I don't think we're going to do the two that we did in previous years, but uh, we just got to finalize it. So be on the lookout for all that stuff. Patreon's the best way that we post all the information. I also post things that I don't post on Twitter the top spot house. I posted videos that I didn't share on Twitter, other pictures and stuff like that. So get into the group me rooms. We'll share stuff. Got more camps this week. Going to try to get to a couple games. That's another thing I'm kind of putting to the side. I want to get to a couple actual like spring training games, especially as I'm watching the A's demolish the Diamondbacks right here. <laughs> uh, I want to get to an actual few games myself, uh, not just the camps and stuff, but I will be continuously out at camps. So you can look out for that. Go and sign up using promo code ITL at Underdog Fantasy. You might be like, eh, I don't, I can't do that stuff. Trust By us. By the check way, it out. as we're closing out, Welsh, Josh Naylor hitting three today. Mm, <laughs> hitting three, huh? Yeah. Mm. Look, I, I'm, I'm not above eating crow. If I'm wrong on J Josh Naylor, Good I'd go. be happy about it. So, uh, you know, uh, let, let's get him to hit three and let's have him have a good spring training. I'll move him up. I like yeah, it. let's do it. Let's do it. Big week going on. Uh, like I said, follow on the Twitter if you want to see all the things that are going on. But it's actually a lighter week for me. But I got the Fantasy Pros episodes. I'm on twice with uh, Eno over on Rates and Barrels. Catch me once on CBS. Bogman and I are doing two mock drafts. So that's the thing. This is a mini hell week because we move this. One is going to be uncensored and one will be fully edited. And I think I think we probably in this instance do just like a roto and a head to head. Right. Like that's yeah. what we end up doing with this. Mm -hmm. We'll do one roto, one head to head. Uh, we're going to fill those in the ITL army. So you're going to get uh, three episodes this week. No big deal. So, you know, the drill Patreon ITL promo code on underdog and online and on Twitter at is it the Welsh and Bogman sports friends. Thanks so much for hanging out with us with all the episodes. We'll talk to you next time. It's ITL. And we're out. See ya.